It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hi, everybody. It's Russ from My Hammers 11. I hope you're all safe and well. If you're new to the channel, please consider subscribing and hitting the bell notification so you're notified of any time we put new content on. Lots of great guests coming up this week. I know I say that every week, but more and more so, uh, and particularly today. Um, what can I say about him? He, he played 225 games for the club. Uh, he scored 99 goals in total um, across a five-year period. He was obviously part of the 1980 FA Cup winning team and the only man for West Ham to have scored a hat-trick in European competitions which is an accolade I think will uh, will stay live for at least a couple of seasons. Um, it's Mr. David Cross. Hi, David. How are you? I'm fine, thanks, Russ. It feels a bit like Groundhog Day. <laughs> it does, doesn't it, Just Doesn't it, Just? And not, not just for our, for our video, but uh, just life in general at the moment with the, with the lockdown. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> um, what we're doing with this, this channel, David, is basically interviewing loads of fans, loads of West Ham fans, obviously, um, across the world, different ages, about their memories of, of West Ham, of supporting West Ham. Um, obviously, at the moment, we haven't got live football, so we've got nothing to create new memories for. So it's quite sort of cathartic, just understanding a bit about, um, obviously, West Ham fans' individual experiences, memories, but also their 11, their, the players that meant something to them, or, or maybe, um, you know, fans' favourite players and things like that as well. So obviously for you, you know, we've had a, f- a few players on, on the channel already. Um, obviously yourself, David, you know, you joined in, I'm going to refer to my notes this time because <laughs> just so I don't bug it up again. Obviously you joined in 77 from West Brom for a, a record-breaking transfer for West Ham at the time. Um, that was December and obviously you played West Brom the following week. Was that right? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was odd really. I, I, I... Uh, I signed for West Ham actually on my 27th birthday, wow. which is the 8th, the 8th of December. Um, <laughs> and uh, my first, well, the first game, it was a Thursday, I think, and the Saturday I wasn't able to play because I'd missed the deadline. Um, and we played at home against Man United. And actually, that was the first game we'd won all season. Oh, so, wow. you know, the club, we, we were in fairly dire straits at that time. I think Trevor scored the winning goal against United that day. I think we won 2-1, um, which was great for me because we'd just signed and um, I wasn't at the game. I was 
back home, um, back in Coventry, just making sure you know, I got all my stuff together to get back down to start training on the Monday. But it was good to get that win under the belt. Um, yeah. And for me, it was a little boost because, you know, somehow along the line, you might think that the lads thought, oh, the new sign-in, you know, we might have a goal scorer. Uh, and we won because of that. But um, it was good that we, I went in on the Monday with, uh, with that under the belt. belt. Yeah. The, next Saturday, the next Saturday, as you said, it was against my, my mates who had just left eight days earlier. So it was really strange to play against them. Yeah, sure. I mean, obviously, yeah, I can see you coming in and having that sort of win under your belt. It's a bit of a boost, isn't it? So you're not, I imagine the, the pressures, obviously you were record signing at the time. The pressure was slightly off because we'd won a game. So there was like momentum going into the, you know, going into Monday and on, on the Saturday. What's it like, you know, when you've, when you've, because obviously something I've never asked actually, when you've played for a club, obviously you're at West Brom for, for a while and then you left and then you play them again so soon. Is it, is it strange? Is it you know? Does does the manager tap you up for for info about the players that week or? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, effectively, I was just like a spy in the camp, if you yeah. like. I mean, I knew what they were going to do. I knew what they were likely to, how they were likely to play. I knew what the uh, the formation was likely to be. I, I knew the two centre backs were just two fantastic defenders, yeah. uh, Alistair Robertson and John Weil, who were two big guys who uh, took no prisoners at all. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I gave as much information to John as I possibly could, um, and you know, and we went. To, it was very strange playing against those lads who yeah. had been with for like eighteen months. You know, it really yeah. was. Yeah, I can, I can totally, totally imagine. I can see. You know, I remember when, you know, we've had, you know, we've had like old players come back and you know accidentally walk into the wrong changing room and things like that because they're so used to it. It must be so bizarre. But obviously, you know. We're full, you know, you've had all the anniversary, the 40 year anniversary, you know, obviously the FA Cup, um, <laughs> was, was, was such an amazing, unfortunately, you know, not showing my age, but I wasn't, I wasn't alive at the time. I was born the year after, unfortunately, so I to make you feel old, David, but that, that's what happens. Um, but obviously it's, everyone talks to you about, about that, that game and about that day, you know, obviously it must've been such a special thing to be part of. Um, obviously not a lot of people can have that on their CV, you know, an FA Cup win. For you, you know, in terms of your your memories of that day, you know, do anything, any sort of key things stick out that uh, that was, you know, that, that particularly poignant or memorable? Well, I mean, the FA Cup final back then, Russ, was really the only live game that was shown all year on TV, unless there was a, an international fixture. So, um as I grew up as a, as a little boy through the 50s and 60s, the only game you were able to watch live on television was the cup final. So it meant so much then, much more probably yeah. then to us than it, than it does to people now. Um, so if you'd asked, even now, I think if you ask a professional footballer, one of his ambitions might be, they'd probably say they'd like to play in the cup final. Mm. They don't actually say they'd like to win the cup. They'd like to play in the cup final. So playing in the cup final is like a, an achievement in itself, regardless of how you, you, you do, really. I mean, obviously, you want to win the cup, but um, to be part of that day, certainly back then, was a huge thing. So I played at Wembley before. I played for Norwich City against Tottenham in the League Cup final in 73, uh, and we lost, and I didn't play very well. Uh, the team didn't really perform. I think we were a little bit too nervous. Um, such a big occasion. So um, I was determined when 1980 and the uh, 
the 10th of May came round that I was going to be, I wouldn't be able to determine whether we'd win, wouldn't really be able to determine whether I played well, but I could remember the game and enjoy it, which I didn't do for the 73 game. I didn't enjoy it at all and I could hardly remember anything about it. So I was determined to make sure that I remembered everything about this day and, uh, and I did in the end of it. Yeah. And, and obviously, you know, have, obviously famously, you know, West Ham, that, that win was one, the first, still the last time out, you know, a club outside the top divisions won the FA Cup. What was, what was like, was, was it less pressure going into it? Because you were so, you know, not the favourite, so to speak? Yeah, I think you're right. You hit it on the head. We, we weren't favourites by mm. a long chalk. I mean, Arsenal were very, very good side. We were second division, like you said. Um, there was no pressure on us at all. I think just so long as we did all right on that day and didn't let ourselves down and didn't let the fans down, I think, you know, we, we would have come out of that with our heads high. But uh, as it happened, we got the early goal. We hung on. They didn't really understand what tactics John Lyle had, um, had produced for that game. Um, and by the time they did work it out, it was a little bit too late in terms of we'd scored we'd score our goal. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it was just such a fantastic day for us. And, and more than that, really, it was, it, it was such a good day for the fans. Mm. Um, you know, even now when I watch, I don't watch the game back because it's not a great game, to be perfectly honest. You know, we, we got an early goal and then we defended. Um, um, but I do just keep seeing the fans um, and what they got from that day. And, you know, that, that, that was really important to me because yeah. the fans made my five years at West Ham so good. Yeah. And, 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 I, and I can totally see that, you know, as you said, it's like, I, I, I don't have anything. Well, I mean, obviously, you know, in my lifetime, obviously with West Ham have had a couple of playoff promotions um, with one, obviously when we went up in, in 92 as well. Um, the FA, our, our FA Cup final with 2006, you know, we weren't favourites. Yeah. And to be honest, it doesn't still didn't seem like we'd lost that game because it was... No, I, you know, I understand that. And so it was the same, you know, and it, was, it was one of the rare occasions where I left the ga- a ground and the other team was saying, the other team supporters were saying, oh, you, were, you, you should have won that. You know, we were lucky. And it's like, that doesn't usually happen. With yeah, I think, fans. yeah, that's, that's true. But obviously, yeah, five years, a massive number of, of players you, you've played with. Um, as I said, what we try and do is we try and sort of put together, you know, an 11, um, you know, 11 people, 11 players that, um, that mainly from a fan's perspective, but obviously from a playing perspective, it'd be great to, to get your handle on that, you know, of, of people you enjoy playing with the most in those positions. And obviously, um, you know, we can keep it as, as loose as we want, but for obviously for the, in the five years you were there, who would be your, your goalkeeper for your West Ham cross 11, if I could probably guess who it's going to be but yeah, um, <laughs> it's difficult because obviously you know a lot of the lads who I was with um, over those five years are friends of mine and of course you know to leave someone out of, of an 11 is very difficult I, totally um, agree. I think probably the goalkeeper is probably the easiest one or one of the easiest ones because uh, Mervyn, uh, Mervyn was a young keeper when I arrived and that was the setup. Mervyn was in the side. Bobby Ferguson was the backup keeper, mm. and Bobby was uh, had been our record signing, I think. And the sorry, not our record signing. He had been the most expensive goalkeeper in the world when West Ham signed him from Kilmarnock all those years before. So Bobby was a good keeper, but he was, you know, he was fairly 
comfortable in the reserves and just stepping in occasionally for Mervyn. Sure. Mervyn had had that fantastic start as a young keeper, you know, the 74 and 75 years when he, get, when he came in as a very young keeper. Um, and I just think he, at the time I arrived, I think Mervyn was just feeling a little bit, um, I think it had got to him. I think the big occasions had got to him slightly. And I think the realisation of playing for that club you know, if you like the honeymoon was over, if you understand what I mean, you know, and fans were little, getting on at him a little bit for the odd mistake he made. Um, so when we signed Big Phil, I think that was, for me, it was a, like a, almost like the last piece in John John's jigsaw of the team that he felt could do uh, really well for the club. So I think Big Phil would, would go in, in as my goalkeeper. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so, yeah could, could, going, could on, guessed... going on from that. Uh, what's that, sorry? Going on from that. Yeah, go on. I say going on from that. It's very difficult to pick a side, pick an eleven that that isn't the the cup final eleven. Yeah, yeah. You know, because really that was our probably our best side at the time. Patsy Holland was desperately unlucky because he got an injury, uh, which allowed Paul Allen in to the to the side. Yeah. Uh, and little Paul obviously was the youngest player still to play in the cup final. Um, so Patsy, you know, Patsy was a terrific player, but got such a bad injury. So it's very difficult to go astray from that side. I mean, yeah. I couldn't pick a, a better, I couldn't pick a better back four, for instance. No, you know, no. Ray, Ray was, you know, only a kid really when we signed him, but you know, he was just so assured of himself and so confident. Um, I can't remember him ever mis really making a mistake in the right back position. And you also got the extra bits from him because he got forward so well and, you know, that strong uh, right foot of his caused problems either with crosses or when he cut inside and I was shooting and, and scoring. So, you know, Ray, Billy and Alvin, you know, I couldn't really replace yeah. them. And Frank at left back. I mean, yeah. Frank's, a, Frank's a legend at the club and, you know, so many games under his belt and never played for anyone else. It totally. I mean, we could make it easier for you, for you, David, and we'll just we'll just say you're, you're 11. We'll just put them as the FA Cup winning winning team because then you don't have to worry. Well, I mean, I, <laughs> I mean, I think it's worth explanations as well. I mean, not yeah, you know, I, I don't want to don't want to like sneak out and say you know oh, okay. those 11. But um, you know, we we had some good players in that team. Mm. Um, you know, probably the best, one of the best players of his era in Trevor in mm. midfield. Then a young Alan Devonshire, um, you know, who, but for his injury later, in a couple of seasons after, you know, would have gone on and on and probably played 40, 50 times for England. Um, how we got Alan for 30 grand or whatever we, we paid. Five, I think it's five so, grand. Five grand. Five yeah. Right. Okay. Even, you know, even more ridiculous. Uh, you know, our scouting network must have been really good because, uh, I mean, Alan was a fantastic player. So, up front, that would be the difficult one for me because when I arrived at the club, I, I played in a front three with uh, Pop Robson and Derek Hales. And Pop was a, a kind of a schoolboy idol for my, uh, my period because I was a Newcastle United fan. Um, and I used to watch Newcastle. I used to travel from Manchester. I used to sneak off school on a Friday afternoon and hitchhike up to Newcastle and watch... Uh, watch the game the next day, stay with my family up there, my uncles and aunties. And Pop was the right winger then at that time. He was, 
in the early 60s, he was, he was a right winger for Newcastle United and went on to become a striker, obviously. And I never dreamt when I was watching him from the popular side at St. James's Park uh, that I would ever play alongside him for, for West Ham. So playing with him was a just fantastic thing for me. And I learned so much from him. Um, I, learned, I learned what the players did, um, particularly, and I've spoken about this loads of times, but I particularly picked up from Pop um, what Trevor did when he was on the ball and, and the deliveries that he was likely to put into the box. Mm. And um, I learned, at first when I, I, I played alongside Brian, you know, that's Pops, um, I'd see him make early runs into the box. I think, where's he going? You know, the ball's not going to come in there, but, but it did. And it was Trevor because Trevor was on the ball and, and Trevor put blind balls into the box. Um, and by blind balls, I, I mean... He would be facing one way, but he would play it into the box. So facing outwards, but he would still play a ball into the box. Um, and basically would be saying to the strikers, look, you get on the end of it, and I'm going to put it in there. And Pop knew that because he played with uh, Trevor for so, such a long time. And I picked that up off, off Brian. So I started doing that after Brian had left. I started doing the same. And to, to give you an illustration of, of those kind of blind balls that, uh, oh, you've got a cup of tea coming, Ross. Yeah, I've got, sorry, I've got, no, it's a, it's a, it's well, a 99. That's, yeah, that's, the, that's the service I get for getting this. Sorry, David, carry on. <laughs> I used to get that down your neck, that's fine. Exactly. Um, yeah, to, to illustrate what I mean with Trevor putting the blind balls in, the one player who does that now, and I've never really seen any other player do it until recently, uh, how Trevor used to do that, is Kevin De Bruyne from Manchester City. Sure. If you watch him carefully, he will put balls into the box behind the back line of the opposition. Um, and, you know, Aguero will either get on the end of them or he doesn't. But the, he just puts those balls in and he's saying what Trevor used to say to us, really. Look, get on the end of it. If you don't, you know, I'll be having a word with you at half time. Um, so I did learn so, so much from Brian in the, in, the, in the half season, really, that I played alongside him. Um, Derek Hales who I also played up front with in that period, um, was a fantastic finisher. I mean, Derek wasn't the most mobile striker I ever played alongside. He wasn't really quick, but I've never known anyone to be so cool in front of goal um, in terms of finishing. I mean, he was a fantastic finisher. Uh, and, and I think it was because it, I don't think anything bothered him. I think he was that kind of a character that it, no, you know, nothing worried him at all. He just got on with what you've got another brew coming. What have we got coming there? Oh. <laughs> it's a jury summons. <laughs> I know what it is. Yeah, it's the raspberry sauce. Yes, yeah, the raspberry sauce. Come on. Carry on, um, carry on, David. Sorry. So Derek, yeah, Derek, you know, he, he was just that kind of a character. He didn't care. He didn't give a monkey's really about anything and he just got on with it. And uh, I, I loved playing alongside him. And, you know, he was just such a good finisher, just so cool in front of goal. Um, and then from there, I, I, Stuart Pearson came, and I love playing with Stuart. But we're still good friends now. We both live in the Manchester area. I'm on the north side of Manchester. Stuart's on the south side. So, um, but we, we're in contact with one another even now. And um, you know, I remember him at Manchester United, and again, such a thrill to be alongside him uh, because that's what I needed. You know, I knew what I was. I knew how I needed to play. Uh, I knew what I wasn't. Uh, and I wasn't Stuart Pearson and, and I wasn't Derek Hales and I wasn't Brian Robson, but I was a number nine, uh, a proper old fashioned number nine, if you like. And I felt that my job was to get in where it hurts, to 
score goals from possibly or in the six yard box if I, if I could because if I got myself in there and was in there finishing that took their back four into that six yard box and it created space for our midfield players to come in to the edge of the penalty area and, and put the ball away if it got took back. So I felt my job was to get in there. And I still think that's a number nine's real yeah. job to get in there, get into the, certainly get into the penalty area, hopefully get into the six yard box and finish from there and score the goals, if you like, that people would say afterwards, well, I could have scored that or my granny could have scored that. It was, you're only two yards out. Well, yeah your granny could have scored it but could your granny have knocked those three center halves out of the way to get in there you know and that, that was my job so yeah. knew what I was and I knew what I wasn't um, and so playing alongside Stuart uh, he you know he thrived playing off a, a striker who did the hard graft and took all the knocks and did all the heading on um, and, and you know he's such a fantastic finisher himself um, and then from there Paul Goddard Again, Paul and I just, you know, dovetailed together so yeah. well. Uh, I could do what he couldn't do, and he could do what I couldn't do. So, and that was the that was the key, really, to all the strikers I played with: Brian, Derek, um, Stuart, and Paul. I could do what they weren't very good at, and, and they was could certainly do what I wasn't very good at. So, um, you know, the, it's very difficult to pick a striker from yeah, uh, from those four to 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 say that he would go in my best 11. Um, I'd have to go back and say Brian Robson. Yeah. As a up front with, uh, with a number nine. I, I, I'm assuming I'm picking myself in the team. Yeah, right? of Even course, though, of course, it's, David. Because I, I want to try and get the win bonus. <laughs> yeah, you're getting and goals, goal, but yeah, but I mean, as you said, you speak, you know, you speak so fondly of, of Robson that, you know, it's it's not it's not just the obviously playing with him, but obviously as you said, you he you already were an idol of his, so to speak, from his earlier days. And it's it's lovely yeah, to yeah. hear. It's lovely to hear that. What's it like playing with your with a with your idol like that? You know, just it, like well, it, yeah, it it was strange. And I only had six months playing with Brian because mm. he left at the end of that uh, that season where we went down which was the 77 78 season so I only had that short time with him but I did learn so much from him and he was um you know he 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 was willing to to help as well you know he was I would ask him I mean I was very curious and I always wanted to learn and um I would ask him you know so what I saw you run into the near post what, what would you do in that ball Brian he'll say yeah but Trevor puts blind balls in crosses so I go early and, and the defenders wonder where I'm going and, and, you know, when the ball comes in, it's a surprise and I'm on the end of it and I, I took it away and I've scored. So Brian was willing to give that information, you know, and help me. And um, I, I did learn such a lot from him. And he was a, he was a marvellous player. He really was. I mean, how he never played for England. God no. Well, you've got a few here. You've got obviously Billy famously never played for yeah, England Billy. as well. Yeah. yeah. Parts, not, parts, parts many times. Yeah, not many. But yeah, I mean, it's... Um, yeah, I think it's it's one of those, one of those things, isn't it? It's sometimes it's looking back at here, you know. Obviously, from my era, obviously you've got people like Julian Dix who never played for England and and stuff like yes, that. Sure. It just there is there is a there is a thread, a, a common thread of these people who haven't played for West Ham, I think. But uh, conspiracy theories. Um, so if we went with if we went with Parks here, then we went with the back four, as you as you said, and then we went with with you and Pop up, you and Robson up front. We got Dev 
we've got Brooke in. We've got space for two more people. Um, yeah, I mean, we had Francoise van der Elst, you know, was a marvellous player who could play in that position. Um, you know, you've got a right-sided player. I mean, Patsy Holland, Jimmy Neighbour. I mean, I'd probably want, I think I'd probably want Patsy. Yeah. Um, on the right-hand side. Uh, again, not quick, but put balls into the box. I, re I remember having a conversation with Patsy one, one half-time in one particular game. I can't remember. I know we were at Upton Park, but... Um, he just said to me at half time, the one sorry, Crossy. He said, um, You know, I, I should, when I was running up with 10 minutes to go to half time, I looked up to see if I could find you and I, I couldn't see you, so I didn't want to put the ball in the box. And I said to him, Patsy, don't think you want to find me. You put the ball in the box, I'll find the ball. Believe me. I said, Just put it in. I said, If I know you're going to put it in, I'll get on the end of it. Believe yeah. me. I said, I'll, I'll do everything I can to get on the end of it. Don't think you've got to look for me and be able to search me out put it in the box um and from then on pat did that um he, he just put balls in the box and that's what i wanted you know i wanted the opportunity to be able to finish um, and i said to him i said look if i don't get on the end of it you can blame me but if you don't put it in the box pat i'm going to you know i'm going to give you a kick up the backside so you know i had a I, I really enjoyed playing with Patsy and it was a tragedy really that the injury he got where he missed out so much on, uh, on, on the glory that we had that day at Wembley. Um, and, and there's a right inside right, I suppose you might say, or a central midfielder. I would think uh, probably alongside the, the ones I played with, I would say probably Pikey. I know there's a Paul, little Paul Allen was learning the game really when I played alongside him. Uh, but Pikey was probably one of those unsung lads who did the, you know, did the hard graft and didn't get a great deal of praise for it. But Jeff was uh, Jeff was a good solid player and probably gave us that little bit of strength in there um, and a little bit of cover when you thought of how attacking the other three were. Because you know if Trevor was pushing forward to the edge of the box and Dev was uh, Dev was going up the left hand side, you did need someone to sit in there sure. and just give you a bit of defensive balance. And I think Jeff did that very well. Um, so, uh, so that that would probably be my eleven. Yeah, and it would. Uh, well, in I mean that's the thing, and and I mean obviously you know you guys played compared to to now the state of the pitches, you know like bogs of pitches and things like that. You that eleven on the bowling greens of London Stadium or whatever would be outstanding, I think, particularly Sir Trevor. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. When you think of the way Trevor played and on those pitches, you know, he was a genius, Trevor, he really was. Um, when I when I arrived at the club, you know, I wasn't certain uh, about playing with Trevor because uh, he wasn't quick, uh, he wasn't the fittest lad we had. If we had a training session and we had a sprint, Trevor would be last. If we had a five mile run, Trevor would be last. And yet on a Saturday afternoon, give him the ball with 15 minutes left and we won nil up on a boggy pitch and you could just give it him and he'd keep it for a minute and just he was so strong um, so technically gifted uh, that you know you it was just a joy to play with he was he was an absolute genius and as you say playing on those pitches um that we, we, we played on 
I mean, we, we'd never, it was no different to us anyway, because no, that's, exactly, that's yeah. what it was for us. You know, we, start of the season, you played on the lovely grass pitches, but uh, once you got into the autumn and winter and they, they started getting a bit heavy, then football, football really comes out then. I think, you know, the, the good players with the good first touch mm. come through in those situations. And uh, we, were a, we were well known as a footballing side. And I think we tried to play football all the time, even on those kind of pitches. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, th I think um, and that's something I don't think that people appreciate. You know, nowadays, obviously, everyone's got opportunities now to look back, and obviously, you know, the club are replaying obviously the FA Cup final and and just season reviews and things like that that have been on on tape. And I think people don't appreciate, you know, the the condition the conditions really because actually, you said, as you said it was no different to you um, playing on on different pitches those little boggy pitches when it came to sort of December and you know the snow and the rain but you know in comparison to today's pitches you know it, it, I, just, I think to see your team playing again although you know it wouldn't work but you know sort of virtually something might be would be absolutely amazing because I think you just see so much I think it'd be a greater appreciation because of what happened um David it's it's been absolutely wonderful talking to you Thank you so much. I've really, really enjoyed listening it. to your stories. It's been really, really are we, fun. Are we finished? Yeah, yeah. This is it, David. As I said, half an hour. That's all. It's all going to take your time. And obviously, I want to thank everyone, um, everyone else who's obviously watching, um, watching the YouTube channel, watching the video. Please like and share and subscribe. Until next time, everybody, take care and stay safe, everyone. Thank you. Bye bye. <laughs> uh, no, one thing I did, one thing I did like to want to get across, which sure. I think I've got across before, interview was um, one of the reasons I did so well. You know, you quoted my figures there: two, 225 games and 99 goals, which was my best record in terms of goals per game for any club mm. I played for. But the main reason for that was that how I was accepted by the West Ham fans. Yeah, you know, I wasn't a typical West Ham player. And that, I would have wanted to get that across, actually. No, we, I, I, you know, we, I'll put it, no, we'll, we'll put it on at the end. It's fine, we'll put it on at the end. You did mention, we'll, we'll put that as sort of an, an extra bit. But, it, you know, it, it, is, it was a major factor for me that the, the, the acceptance by the fans to a, for a player who wasn't one of theirs, really. You know what I mean? I, I, you know, I wasn't a West Ham player. I wasn't easy on the eye. I, you know, I was just what I was. Um, and to be accepted by those fans and... Um, and even now, like people, you know, say I was a popular player for the club. Uh, it, it's really, you know, it's like heartwarming for me to think sure. of that. And, and sure. the reason I did so well in terms of goals that I scored was because I, I was so keen to just get out at Upton Park and play on that pitch because, you know, I, I, I could almost do no wrong, which was a marvellous thing for a footballer yeah. to, to feel. You know, it was, um, you know, I, I owe the fans a lot and that's why I'm always prepared to turn up for events that sure. are put on or do things like this if you like yeah yeah definitely that david that that's that will be in the in the, in the episode don't worry i'll put that in because it's lovely um, to hear sports social podcast network with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky <gasps> No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.